Our gospel reading this All Saints Sunday is a gospel reading we share every year on All Saints. It is always a sign for this special day. And it is, some say, Jesus' most important summary of his teachings, which are the Beatitudes. This year found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. I invite you to look on your phones. I invite you at home to look it up on your phones and follow along with me and perhaps read the entire fifth chapter of Matthew today as part of your spiritual discipline. But Matthew shared the Beatitudes in this way. He wrote, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, When people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, said Jesus, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here ends the reading here with the spirit is saying to the church, give some love online and maybe another exuberant round of applause for what I consider to be the best worship band in the city of Columbus. I know it's hard sometimes performing to a sanctuary that we're so used to having it full and now it's empty because of the pandemic with a few of you helping us learn how to reopen safely and most of you online watching online as we um, continue to find a way forward as the months of these pandemic draw on. But I have to say I'm so grateful for this worship band and what they bring to us each and every week because sometimes it is music that reaches us. Even if the scripture and the words and the prayers and today communion may not penetrate whatever despair we might be facing, sometimes it's the music that will break through in a way that nothing else can. So we're extremely grateful. Today's message is called Accidental Saints, Finding God in All the Wrong People. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Now, good morning. Good morning online. Good morning to those of you in the sanctuary and to our visitors. Today we commemorate All Saints Sunday. It's an important day in the life of our congregation because on this one day, really, we remember all those we have loved and lost during this year. So if I tear up today, it's because Sandy's here and I might cry, but that's all right. It's important that we share what we're going through. There are four people that we're going to remember today, especially during All Saints Sunday. 
the people we lost and must commemorate remotely during this pandemic. Normally, we would do this together, and we would have a table and candles, and you would all gather around the photographs, and we would have a reception, and we would share together, but we have to do that remotely this year. But the four people inspired today's sermon, um, and I, I called the sermon the title of Nadia Bowles Weber's book, but I just loved it because I thought it, it talked about these four people in a way that I just loved, which is uh, accidental saints, finding God in all the wrong people, which is sometimes how we find God, right? And um, Nadia Bowles Weber's book, this is the book we're going to start studying Wednesday night in our class on spiritual resistance in times of crisis. So I encourage you to either join us Wednesday night. It's uh, by Zoom. All the uh, details are on our Facebook page or in the church newsletter. But I encourage you, even if you don't take the class, to grab this book and read it. It's just a remarkable read. And it reminds us that we are messed up people living a messed up world with other messed up people. And that's all right. And we will find a way forward in the midst of that because this is the human condition. And it's why we need grace and it's why we need company on the journey. I sometimes think that church is not so much about teaching about the scripture and theology and helping you all understand things in a new way, though that's part of it. I think a big part of church is helping you all find company on life's journey so that you know that you are not alone. So I'm going to take a few minutes today to name those accidental saints who have passed from our midst in 2020. I mean, what a year, right? What a year anyway. But these are four people who indelibly left their mark in our lives. And the first is John Boyle. And if I tear up, I'll just tear up. Y'all tear up too. Sandy's here, and I'm grateful that Sandy's here today. I know it's hard to be here when you've lost someone that you've loved. And it's All Saints Sunday. But this is why we do this, because it's important to remember. I don't know if Sandy's seen this photo in a while. This is a photo of John and Sandy at one of our church events down in the Fellowship Hall. Who remembers the flannel flood worship service we had back in March to honor John Boyle after he passed away suddenly? Raise your hands in the sanctuary. Let us know online if you remember the flannel flood. Husband to Sandy, father to Sarah and Rebecca, grandfather to Liam. John showed a generation how to love people, pets, nature, and life itself. There's so much to say about John. Would you take a moment to share online your gratitude for the life of John Boyle? And if you're here today in the sanctuary, it's okay to be on your phones and do that. I won't get mad at you if you're on your phones. (laughs) Not looking up here. Use your phones and share some gratitude online for the life of John Boyle so that Sandy can look back at that later and, and see your comments. We'd really appreciate that. You know, Sandy shared an excellent testimony a few weeks ago reminding us that John found here at St. John's a church where he did not have to check his brain at the door, a place where science was respected and questions were invited in our progressive theological environment. The flannel flood service, that picture, the flannel flood service we had for John on March 8, it was the last service that we had in the sanctuary that was open to the general public. It was the last service that we had in the sanctuary before we had to close due to COVID, close the sanctuary. So when the day comes 
when we can throw open those massive doors in the back, when we can throw them wide open to invite everyone in again, people from the streets, people sleeping around the church, everyone, when there are donuts and coffee and lots of hugs and handshakes, I will be thinking about John Boyle, trusting that the spirit of his love will be present in this space when we gather again as our full community. He is very missed. But I trust that his love continues to be with us now and forevermore. His love lives on. Now, the second person that we are commemorating today on All Saints Sunday is Steve Sandaluck. I should have brought tissues up here. I am wearing my pink jacket today. That's Steve on Palm Sunday. Steve was nothing if not exuberant about the liturgical holidays. And boy, didn't he decorate our altar. I mean, we couldn't have had more palms that day, right? We just couldn't have had more. But I'm wearing my pink jacket today in Steve's memory because it was his favorite outfit of mine, which he didn't hesitate to tell me. He always told me I should wear more pink than black. I was like, but Steve, that's kind of the the uniform, right? But he said I should wear more pink. And almost every Sunday after church, long after everyone had departed, long after you all had gone off to your lunches after church, Steve would stop by my office. He would tell me his thoughts about the service, including whether my outfit was liturgically sound and whether my hair looked okay in the pulpit every week. I'm trying to make sure my hair looks nice today in Steve's memory. And even after we had to move the remote worship service, um, move everything online during the pandemic, you could still, when you were remotely, and those of you at home can um, give an amen to this, and those of you in the sanctuary can raise your hand, but when you were all online and watching the service, you could still hear Steve from the back of the sanctuary yell, Preach! Remember? In his distinctive voice, he'd be sitting on his stool back there and he'd be yelling, preach to encourage me way up here in the pulpit. Steve was loud. He was exuberant. He was sensitive. He was kind and he was protective of this church. And most importantly, he found a spiritual home here at St. John's where he could fully be himself as an out gay man and serve the church in an honored role on our team. Steve was happy here. He was happy. After a lifetime of pain, he was happy here. And it was a privilege to be his pastor as he healed from earlier toxic church experiences. There's really no greater honor than to help someone through that pain. And he was happy. Steve, and like I said, I should have brought tissues, but... This is all saints, and this is as it should be. We should have tears, and we should have laughter, and we should have heart for the people that we're honoring. Steve proudly sat at the head of my family's Thanksgiving table this last year, and he will be deeply missed. He will be an empty chair at our table this year. Will you all take a moment and share online a fond memory of Steve? If you're here in the sanctuary, use your phones. Let us know online your memories of Steve so that we can continue to share that together. Steve was one of a kind, and he helped me treasure the tremendous difference that the profound love this church 
could he helped me treasure the tremendous difference that the profound love this church could make in one person's life. I will never forget that drive-by memorial service that you all participated in to honor Steve in the midst of this pandemic. This church made all the difference in his life, and he was happy here, and I will always treasure that. The third person we commemorate on All Saints Sunday this year is Dylan Stanley. Now, I did not know Dylan personally. She was not a member of our congregation, but she worked with Pastor Dan and Faith in Public Life as one of their outreach coordinators for the Ohio Harm Reduction Program. We were privileged to host her community memorial service here at St. John's recently. Dylan struggled with drugs and mental health issues, and the current systems in place to help people with such problems, they never worked for Dylan. And I share that from uh, Dennis Kashan, who wrote a public piece about Dylan. So Dylan wasn't perfect in the way that we normally describe a saint, right? But she was that kind of accidental saint that one encounters in life and that one never forgets, like Steve and like John. A friend described Dylan this way. Dennis wrote that Dylan's life was stormy, but even during tough times, she was a force for good, a lighthouse that shined brightly during the storm. Dylan meant a lot to many people. So if you had the privilege of knowing Dylan, if you're online, if you've done part of the harm reduction work, would you please take a moment to share a memory with us online on All Saints Sunday about your memories of Dylan as part of our practice? Like I said, normally we'd be doing this all together, but we have to do it differently this year. And our fourth and final person that we want to commemorate and honor this All Saints Sunday is Kent Vidal. Again, I should have tissues up here. Kent and his beloved wife, Mary, who's also gone, served for over three decades as the leadership partnership which created and managed the open shelter in Columbus, housed here at St. John's. His memorial service is next week. His loss is quite fresh. Kent blessed the lives of thousands and thousands of our homeless neighbors with gifts of his insight, wisdom, resources, and genuine respect and compassion for people who lived on the margins and on the streets. Would you take a moment to share a word of gratitude online for Kent's life and work on this All Saints Sunday? The work of the Open Shelter continues. Kent prepared for his succession, but he is greatly missed. And there is so much that I could say about knowing Kent these past three decades in Columbus. Since I first met him through our shared service on the board of trustees of the Columbus Legal Aid Society. Now, importantly, when I first met Kent 30 years ago, I'm kind of dating myself, but when I first met Kent 30 years ago, I was a young lawyer. And I remember sitting in a board meeting at the Legal Aid Society and Kent comes strolling in late and um, I thought he looked a little bit like Jesus. I mean, he had blue jeans and it was really the ponytail back then. His hair is all brown and he's wearing a ponytail. And I thought he looked a little bit like Jesus. I'm like, well, shoot, Jesus has come to the board meeting. We better pay attention. 
But it wasn't just the blue jeans and the ponytail. It was the colloquial theology that he used to pepper his remarks when he insisted on compassion and care for all those who fell through the social safety net here in Columbus. Which brings me to the gospel text for today. The Beatitudes found in the Gospel of Matthew. Because Kent lived the Beatitudes. He lived them every day. Speaking truth to power. Calling the powerful and privileged to task, including all of us. While providing help and hope to those most in need. So the Beatitudes are teaching for today found in the Sermon on the Mount are considered to be the most important summary of Jesus' teachings. And we have to remember that in the time of Jesus, the land was ruled by wealthy men like Herod and Caiaphas, cruel kings who ruled the people and the airwaves, kings who were aided by hierarchical religious leaders who ranked the people by family connection, their ancestry, gender, class, and the weight of one's pocketbook. And these cruel leaders used fear and threats to try to persuade the people that some people were better than others, some were more worthy than others, some were more blessed than others. So Jesus turned this concept of blessing upside down in the Sermon on the Mount. Instead of pronouncing the rich and the powerful and the war makers as blessed, Jesus said, blessed are the poor, the meek, the peacemakers, the refugees, people like the huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Well, the Beatitudes have always meant a lot to me. I've I've always enjoyed preaching on them, but I unfortunately was... Um, just encouraged to look at them differently this year with the election just a couple of days away. There's an excellent article by theologian Diana Butler Bass that really struck me. And she reminded us right before this election that the Beatitudes are not just blessings. The Beatitudes describe Jesus's political vision. He's describing what the kingdom of God looks like. It's what Jesus imagined when he taught his followers to pray, as we'll do later today, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God dreams of a world that upends the ones we've created, a world where the rich and the privileged aren't blessed, but the poor and the humble are. Diana Butler-Bass goes into more detail. I encourage you to read her article But she helps us understand that the Beatitudes, two days before this election, two and a half, are essentially Jesus' voter guide. If you're looking for a voter guide, because lots of them, who's getting them in the mail, right? Getting them on your phone, getting them on your computer, people stopping at your door. But if you really want a good voter guide, the Beatitudes are Jesus' voter guide. On the ancient hillside in Galilee, looking out on the poor and the weak and the oppressed and the women and the slaves, Jesus preached his radical Sermon on the Mount, holding forth the promise of a new society. Jesus' sermon that day added up to one thing. There's a lot more I could say about this, but it's a communion Sunday. But I'm going to say that his sermon that day added up to one thing. 
He was saying, blessed are all of you who are disregarded by the powerful, for you are God's beloved community. And no wonder all the people all those years ago listened, and no wonder they remembered and wrote it down, because Jesus' blessings were protest. Do you get that, that back then Jesus' protest or blessings were like holding up protest signs? Two millennia later, we understand that no matter which Caesar occupies the throne of power, the Beatitudes are with us always to help shape our protest. They guide the best of human visions. They offer blessings in the worst of circumstances. And their undeniable power and beauty speaks to all the heartbroken, the poor, the merciful, and the persecuted. The Beatitudes are Jesus' voter guide. They are protest blessings that help guide our decisions and our choices, especially when times are dark and the choices are stark. As I pondered the weight of this time, the weight of this election, where we are in this pandemic, yesterday my daughter sent me a video, an update of one of our favorite songs by the Black Eyed Peas called Where is the Love? How many of you have heard of that song? It's about 10 or 11 years old now. Let us know online if you've heard about that song. But I was reminded that uh, this is a picture. I'm going to, you know, today's just a day for some tears. My daughter's birthday is on Election Day. Her birthday is on Election Day. So she sent me this update of this um, song that we used to listen to on CDs. That's when she was little. And that's a picture from one of the 10 summers where every summer we would go to something called Peace Camp with the Baptist Peace Fellowship of North America. We went all over the country every summer and we would gather with those accidental saints in our lives. So to the wonderful people of Granville who, who in, roped us into those things. But my daughter grew up learning how to turn love into justice. She grew up learning how to do protests and work on social policy and find ways to turn love into justice. And that's just one of the pictures of the accidental saints that we met along the way on that decade-long journey when she was little. And I was so struck that she remembered because we used to, back then it was CDs in the car, where we would listen to the song and, and whereas the love has a lot of rap lyrics. And so I would try and keep up with memorizing the words with her and try and impress her with my rap prowess, which wasn't very good. But, but she remembered it, it struck me that she remembered. And when she saw the updated version right before the election, she sent it to me because she remembered. And I'm so grateful um, to our band who, when this hit me yesterday and I was so deeply moved, and I said, is there any way for the postlude, can y'all play Where is the Love? These pros, who under Deanne's guidance, are going to play that in the postlude. I encourage you to stay for the postlude. And I'm grateful for that because we're right before a major elections. And we Christians are called to ask in each election cycle, and this is what my daughter remembered, She remembered that in every election cycle, we are called to ask, where is the love? 
Where is the love in our policies? Where is our love in our community? Where is our love for others in this election? We are facing a historic election Tuesday, with many of you already early voting. The threat of violence is real, unfortunately, and voter suppression is rampant, unfortunately. So what are we to do as a church, as people of faith, on the eve of this election? Well, Ella Baker, a giant of the civil rights movement, left us with this wisdom which my daughter reminded me of yesterday. And it is this. Give people light and they will find a way. Give people light. And that is what progressive churches like ours do. We give people light, not hate. I heard it put this way yesterday, and it really struck me. That this is a life-changing election. And this will determine what America is going to look like for a long, long time. Character is on the ballot. Compassion is on the ballot. Decency. Science. Our very democracy itself. They're all on the ballot. Who we are as a nation. What we stand for who we are as a people, but most importantly, who we want to be, they're all on the ballot. And the choice could not be more clear. Take a look. Our faith is activated most in the times when we face the most difficulty, uh, when we go through the valleys. And as a nation, we are in a valley right now. That's not when you pack up, turn away, and give up. That's when you dig in and fight harder and push forward and march anyway. Every moral issue is at stake in this election. From family values and family reunification to being stewardess of the planet and protecting our planet to peace around the world. I mean, everything's at stake. Um, Our lives are at stake. There are communities who literally their lives depend on this election. That's a video from Faith and Public Life as they con- continue to train Christian peacekeepers. Do you, I understand this, that we have to have Christian peacekeepers at the polls in America. There's an article in New York Times um, and um, uh, featuring uh, Reverend Joan Van Beesler and other um, uh, Ohio clergy. I really want to thank Pastor Dan for his work on that effort. I encourage you to read the article in the New York Times. We'll share it on our St. John's page. But we now have to have Christian peacekeepers at the Ohio polls. That's crazy. But it's what we're going to do. Because we can't forget, as Dr. Cornell West said, paraphrasing Dr. King, as my daughter was taught long ago, that we can never forget that justice is what love looks like in public. So at our church, we share love instead of lies. We promote faith instead of fear. We provide community instead of chaos. And we cast hope instead of hate. And we hope you will join us in raising your voice for justice this election season so that this country knows what love looks like in public. 
We may differ on some of the issues and some of the candidates. That happens every year. But Jesus gave us his voting guide a long, long time ago in the Beatitudes. So it is time to mask up and use it. Don't let the current occupant of the White House or sycophatic followers scare you away from voting. Instead, mask up, stay safe, remember the Beatitudes, and vote. Vote like our lives depend upon it. Like our children's lives depend upon it. Because they do. Thanks be to God. Amen.